Welcome back, everybody, to Plans 10-Minute Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Diver, and we are back with your only podcast for all things building services, property manager, and everything like that related. Um, back here with my co-host, Ruel Williams, again. So glad that he could be back joining me. Ruel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great today, Ryan. Super excited to be back again. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Ruel Williams. Uh, Vice President of Operations and Business Development for Plan here in the Mid-Atlantic. So everything like Delaware through Northern Virginia uh, is the world I support. Uh, super excited to be here with Ryan and with our guest today, who is a friend and a partner of Plan here in the Mid-Atlantic. So great stuff, Ryan. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're super glad to be joined by Andrew Oxendine. Andrew, why don't you uh, let the people know who you are and a little bit about yourself. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Andrew Oxendine. I've worked in the field of property management for over 40 years now. Um, I worked 30 years in Montgomery County managing housing and properties and finance and retired about eight years ago and then moved into the consulting condominium side of housing. Um, I'm currently working with a client in Falls Church, Virginia, and uh, helping them manage a 350, 48-unit uh, condominium. So that has been my segue into uh, condominium management and property management. And I also, for a plug, say I am a United States Marine, so got to always plug the Marine Corps. Good stuff. I love it. Awesome. Thank you for your service. Um, so, I mean, one thing that I know that we uh, always think about on our side as playing companies and as vendors is the satisfaction of our tenants and residents you know, any time that we service them. So going off on your experience as you know, a consultant and somebody who works closely with the board of directors at a lot of communities, I kind of wanted to ask, you know, what are things that board of directors must do to maintain their resident satisfaction? One of the things I have found, and I think this is general to all businesses, but in particular when you're dealing in housing and residence, is you, you, you have to be full disclosure. You have to be able to give the residents fully what's going on. You know, you, you meet monthly in a board meeting, but even between that, you have to be able to communicate with them and let them know, you know, what's happening with vendors, what's happening with budgets, what's happening with emergencies, what's happening when something breaks. And if you can give that information to them quickly, concisely, and with a plan for, you know, correcting it, most of the time you get satisfaction from the residents. Let's be clear, no matter what you do, there's always gonna be those that may not be satisfied, but you know, you still try your best to get 100%. And if you come out at 98, you've, you've hit the best mark you can get. But that's really what I found, full disclosure, transparency with your residents, and normally they're receptive of that. Awesome. I love it. That's that's amazing. Uh, so let me ask you another question, uh, Andrew. And you know, we we work together, so I know I understand your work ethic, your philosophy. Um, you're a man of great integrity, and um, I, I always know when you say it, you mean it, right? And so I have a question regarding um, how do you work as a property manager along with the board to make sure that the interests of the community 
are properly relayed to your vendors? And I guess I'm gonna bridge with that question, uh, like a B clause to it, and, and tell me your philosophy then on um, property managers giving access to the board uh, to their vendors. So like, how do you and the board work together to make sure vendors understand what the property needs? And then what do you think about uh, vendors actually interacting with the board themselves from time to time? Well, part A of that is of course, communication. It goes back to even the initial question that was asked about full disclosure and transparency. You don't wait until an annual review to have a conversation with a vendor when things are good, bad, or just working fine. You constantly communicate with your vendors. You establish what is a partnership, not just a contractual relationship. Because your clients for the vendor is of course the board and the managers, but the manager also their client is that board. So both of you are serving the same client. And the primary objective is to make sure that the client's satisfied. And that's not by communicating once a week or once a year. It could be daily. You address the issues when they come up. You don't put your head in the sand and you don't take, well, that happens. No, let's fix it so it doesn't happen again. So that's part one of your question. Part two of your question would be, yes, vendors should have access to boards. And what I mean by that is if they're under contract, then they should be invited to board meetings. Once again, it doesn't have to be every board meeting, but it should be those board meetings where they have an opportunity to pitch to the board and understand if they're doing a satisfactory job, not only from the manager, but if they're doing a satisfactory job from the board. And the board may have some things that the manager hasn't said, or the vendor may want to say some things to the board just so that they understand it from where they're coming at. So I think that that there is also a invaluable tool that should be used. And like I said, it shouldn't be a a monthly thing, but at, and, and once again, really, it depends on the vendor. If you're if you're dealing with an HVAC vendor and you're having issues with your equipment, then monthly you should come in there and update the board on what you're doing, and the board should be able to tell the vendor what they need done. So I think that that's um, something that should be done. I I believe most uh, you know. Uh, companies would do that, invite vendors to the uh, board meetings to have those discussions. I know, you know, we do it often um, and not only when there's a problem, but also when it's time to renew or it's time to change, you invite that conversation so the board is getting it firsthand and can have their own questions and answers. I love it. That's that's because I love the fact that you keep, you drive home the point of that communication between property management, vendor, board should not just be when there's an issue. Um, no. I love, I love that 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 even when there's when there's good things or when there's just moving the vision forward, there's time to have conversations, not just when there's a complaint. I love it, and I know that uh, he means what he says, Ryan, because he does what he says all the time. So I, I love it. Good stuff. Yeah, I can tell. Um, 
I wanted to go back on a on something you kind of mentioned earlier where you said, you know, no matter what you do, right, somebody's always going to have a, have an issue. I think I wanted to kind of dive a little deeper into that. And I know that there's always going to be conflicts of interest and things like that. So I wanted to like hear maybe if you could recall a situation where, uh, you know, you had to make a difficult decision and not everybody could agree on and sort of how did you, you know, were you able to resolve that for the better of the community? Well, I mean, that happens every day. It, it really does because once again, no matter what you do, not everybody is going to be pleased with the decision that's been made. Um, an example, I'll, I'll give a really fundamental example. You know, you're painting a building and you do a survey to the clientele about what colors should be used you know, 60% of the building chimes in and says it should be this color, 20% chimes in and says it should be that color, 10% says it should be the other color, and then, you know, 10% doesn't respond at all. Um, but whatever those numbers is, 60, 20, 10, it could be three people, two persons, and one. The person that was one that didn't get their color selection is going to feel like they weren't heard. And so you share with them the results of how the decision was made. You share with them, you know, that this was done per the documents, per the board's direction, and you share the information. Listen, there was a hundred people that responded. 60 of them said this, 20 of them said this, and 20 of them said that we went with the 60 because that's the way the board decided they were going to make this decision. It's unfortunate that yours wasn't selected or it's unfortunate that you're not wanting to do it wasn't agreed with, but this is how it was done. It was done in an open board meeting. It was done with everybody's participation. And here is the documentation to show this so that it's not like, oh, well, this is happening in a vacuum or we don't know it's happening in front of everybody. And after that, you can only move on. I mean, you can't make folks um, accept what has been accepted by the board of directors. And by the way, once the board of directors make a decision, that's what they're elected to do to make those decisions. So. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. It sounds like you kind of just have to go about it with the, uh, you know, a less than emotional approach, right? Some people can take things very personal, but at the end of the day, you just kind of have to do your best to be as diplomatic as possible and, and make everything go, you know, as smooth as it can be, because there's always going to be problems, like you said. So yeah, I, but, I if, but if you can justify your reasons based on the policies and procedures of your community, it certainly goes a lot further than when people think you've just made this decision on your own or you ignored them. And that's the best I can do is give them the reasons how they were made and based on whatever policies or procedures were in place to make them. That's good stuff. I think that that, that kind of, I think Ryan, almost like in our last podcast, that nugget that Andrew's given at the end kind of applies to all business, right? Yeah, I was just about to say that. 
Yeah, communicating the expectations, policies, procedures. Here's the reasoning why the decision was made. You know, it's not a personal uh, slight or affront to you. It's majority decision goes. And so we're going with the majority and, and just being open and, and communicating, I think, is key, not just in dealing with boards or, or properties, but in business and in leadership in general. I think that's really great advice, Andrew. Thank you for that. And, and let me just add, remember, a board of directors is voted in to make the decisions for the masses. They don't necessarily have to do surveys and get all of the input from the community, but that is an essential part of having a community trust what you're doing. And so, yes, you get them to be involved but at the end of the day, the board has to make the decision on the best interest of the community, particularly since they are fiduciaries and have that responsibility, you know, not only, you know, on paper, but under the law, they have fiduciary responsibilities to the communities they serve. I love it. So even though you could just make the decision and go with it, um, getting buy-in from the community and showing them that their opinion matters goes a long way. It does, it does. Awesome. Except for those that their decision wasn't the one that was reached, <laughs> they still, you know, but you know, that happens in no matter what you do. Right, right, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode, uh, Andrew. I think we, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving your insight into kind of the world of dealing with board of directors and, and how you best navigate that. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you and what you kind of got going on right now? Oh no, I, I'm I'm I I do uh, property management, and you know, I have no hashtags. I have no. And none of those things that folks have, I, I can be found on LinkedIn if anybody wanted to find me. But other than that, I, I don't have any of them fancy new social kind of things. But you, you um, don't want to give us it, a Twitter, your IG. I, I, I don't even have, I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have any of it. But what I do have is still, you know, the network of other managers that I work with throughout the Baltimore, Washington, Virginia area. We collaborate with a um, consortium to share ideas and thoughts. And, you know, we, we do that so that the best information out there is available to others. But it's once again, not my consortium or my group. It's just I'm a member of a group of managers that uh, speak on daily, weekly, monthly basis to make sure that we all are on top of different things going throughout the uh, area in the industry. Awesome. Good stuff. I love the DC Managers Group. I mean, I think it's an awesome thing to do. I think collaborating uh, with, with your, your colleagues and people across a region uh, just makes everybody that much stronger. Um, pooling your resources, helping one another. I think it's super um, selfless also uh, because some of these people you might consider yourself in competition with or companies in competition, but you guys as managers have just decided, you know what, we're going to put all of that aside and uh, help one another. Um, yep. So Ryan, Ryan went away, but uh, I'm sure he'll be back shortly. Thanks everybody for joining us for the podcast today. Okay. Uh, the Plan Tilling Podcast. We really appreciate you all, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a good day. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.